in three, two, one. John, are we live? We're live, sir. Glad you gave me a countdown today, unlike Monday. I know. I Threw know Monday. April Fool's. Uh, pulled the trigger too, too early. Look at that. Quick trigger, John. I know. <laughs> What's going on, buddy? Not too much, man. T- uh, another, another week with two shows. I love it. I know. Thank two you. shows. We got two guests. I don't know if the screen can show it yet because I can't no. see it, but we got pizza nope. and beer and oh, two cool guests. Yeah. excited. Shouldn't have had lunch. I know. <laughs> but uh, oh. I actually finished my lunch and then I saw John's post or Jonathan's post of him bringing the piece pizza yeah. literally three seconds after I threw my lunch out. After <laughs> That's I was a damn done. shame. Time is like, everything. Oh, damn it. Yep. More for us. <laughs> so do we have some shout outs? Because I think we're going to have a lot to chat about today. Uh, yeah, real quick. Uh, just shout out to, to Gary for coming in Monday, Monday night, giving us his thoughts on what was going to happen yesterday, which... It was happened. a resounding victory for Lori, uh, but it was cool doing a prime time, and uh, yeah, that's really. I just I th- I thought it was good. I really appreciate him and his time. Yeah, uh, thank you to him too, and uh, it was fun to have him in a second time, and he's pretty candid, and it was fun to hear his take on uh, Chicago politics and the yeah, crazy sure. experiences he had that we assumed were happening in Chicago politics, but when yeah, it's we learned a lot by the dude who's been through it. It's yeah, confirmed. But yeah, I have uh, two shout outs. One to you for beating me in the fitness challenge. I, oh. I had to admit it. <laughs> and right. having the uh, Chicago pizza tour uh, as a topic today, I owe you yeah. a Chicago pizza tour. And I'm looking forward to it. So John beat me by a little bit. And uh, yeah, he won. It was, it was good. Actually, thank you for running it because I lost a lot of weight. The the whole visceral fat situation, it really, it's it's. Money's good, but health, it really, yeah. I appreciate it. So good. It was, uh, I got a lot of people that text messaged me and they said, hey, we don't think we're going to win or I don't think I'm going to win, but yeah. I lost so much weight and right. my body changed. So thanks for the idea. We, the last two years I've run a fitness challenge for 60 or 90 days, depending on which year it was. Mm. Um, and tons of people, even the people who they put a hundred bucks in, they don't win life changing anyways. So it's yes. cool. Yeah, absolutely. But Absolutely. I hate losing, and you beat me. <laughs> I was pissed. I'm gonna. Um, I'm still gonna take you out for a for a state dinner. Well, the other shout out, and I never really do it for my own office, is to my office staff because our five year anniversary was yes. on uh, at Main Street was on Monday. Yes. Uh, they busted their butt the last five years to get mm-hmm. us here. We have our five year anniversary tomorrow at Basil yep. Leaf at six thirty. Thank you mm-hmm. to my buddy Sean. You guys are invited if you want to come mm-hmm. tomorrow six thirty and nine thirty. John, I think you're coming. I believe so. But yeah, shout out to uh, Rita, Laura, Jeff, Paula, all of our um, agents. It's been a, it's crazy that it's been five years. It's been a crazy five years. So it's a shout out to that. Big accomplishment. Yeah. It's good for you, man. A lot of people told us uh, we wouldn't make it past a year in the real estate market <laughs> in Chicago. So yeah, you did it. We're still here. Keep on, keep on trucking. Yeah. So cool. All right. So I'm going to announce both guests. Yep. Because we have pizza and beer, and the pizza's getting cold and the beer's getting warm. So I want to announce them both, <laughs> and we'll start having some of them, and then I'll talk to Joe and then talk to John. So we got Joe Toda. He's the CEO of Tapville Station and the Red Arrow Red Arrow Tap Room, Elmhurst to Naperville, right? That's correct, yeah. Um, really excited to chat about your concept, because it's a concept that you would have thought somebody else would have thought of, but nobody did. And you came up with a really cool concept, both on the restaurant bar side, but also the tech side, which we'll chat about. Mm -hmm. And then we got Jonathan Porter, who's the founder of the Chicago Pizza Tours, where I'm taking John, Mm -hmm. um, and the Prohibition Tours, which I'm interested to hear about as well, because off air, we were chatting about how I assumed it was only about Al Capone and 
the mobsters, but there's more to it than that. Yes. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to hear about how you got into renting or buying a bus, getting the insurance, <laughs> and then taking people, as he says, taking strangers on yeah. tours for pizza. It's a, we've had a lot of people on who've done a lot of different businesses, but to quit your job, get a bus and take people to pizza tours in 2010, right? Yes. That's yes. a pretty crazy thing. So thank yeah. you guys for coming on. Um, John, should we have the pizza and beer? Yeah. Real quick uh, as we start. Let's break out some slices and, and some beers. And yeah. So what is the pizza? Uh, all right. So uh, today I was uh, I finished my meetings early. Was uh, hopped the blue line, went right up to uh, Peace Pizza and Brewery. Uh, got us uh, honey butter fried chicken pizza. <laughs> it's gonna have a little bit, you know, your regular tomato sauce and mozz. Oh wow. Um, but it's got a little bit of cheddar in there. Uh, you've got some banana peppers, uh, some red peppers, uh, honey butter fried chicken, and then a little bit of honey drizzle on that as well. So super the diet's yeah, gone, yeah. Yeah. gone, <laughs> gone. But it looks so good. Yeah, and peace is amazing. Oh, yeah. I love those guys. Yeah, yeah. absolutely great. They're, they've been a great partner of us uh, since uh, since we first started in 2010. And it's one of the stops for you guys. Yeah, yeah. very cool. And what Excellent. kind of beer? I guess so, I can hold it up. Wow, that's a amazing uh, pizza there. Uh, this is gonna go great. So this is from Noon Whistle Brewing out in Lombard. Okay, and it's the New England style IPA, which is kind of a hazy, tasty, juicy. IPA that looks like orange juice, but it's really good, even better. Probably actually a good, and you guys didn't plan this, but probably yeah. a good pair for that pizza. I would, I would say, say the, so. the acid of the orange juice uh, mixing with the tomato flavor here and the uh, the vinegar on those banana peppers, we're going to get a nice little uh, nice little meal here. Woo-hoo. Sorry to my buddy All Adam, <laughs> who I got to take on showings after this. All fitness uh, challenges are off today. Yeah, sure. You're going to have to run an ultra marathon, <laughs> yeah. which we're going to talk about. I'm yeah. going to have to keep trying for a triathlon. And, I'm not John, doing, I don't I'm know what doing you're doing. but no. <laughs> um, Okay, cool. Let's try them. Yeah, let's get All into right. it. All right. There you go. I'm excited. Yeah. Noon whistle. And you said this was canned yesterday, right? That's what they told me. Yeah, we stopped okay, in cool. yesterday. It's a Gummy Vortex is the name. Very so cool. A really good line of IPAs out in Lombard. Real small brewery. Government warning. According to the Surgeon General, women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy. Well, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> and this can design. Ah, that's really cool. That's the cool. cap. Yeah. The whole cap comes oh, off. Wow. Wow, that makes you drink it faster. Um, Okay, I'm going to start with Joe. I'm going to take a bite, and then I'll start. Take a sip, and then a bite. Wow, that's really good. Yeah, it's uh, it's tasty. It's tasty. It does have that kind of, like, a fruit flavor to it almost. Yeah. Like, it's... Like a grapefruit. Yeah. And then a bite of the pizza. John, this is all live, huh? I got a giant bite. (laughs) That's really good. You are my favorite guests already. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So tell us about the Red Arrow Tap Room, kind of the concept behind it. Yeah. So we've got two locations, uh, one in Elmhurst and then one in Naperville. Uh, We started about two and a half years ago. And what we wanted to do was solve a lot of the problems of the restaurant industry. So... If you go to a restaurant, you may have issues with ordering a beer from the bartender or getting your order right with the server. Um, What we've done is use technology to make it really simple for the the customer to come in, try a lot of different uh, self-pour beers, and then also order your food from a table. So we're trying to eliminate a lot of the guest pain points that happen in the restaurant industry. And what's cool is you can 
you can sample beer, right? So I was reading on the website, yeah. you, you basically pay per ounce. That's right. So we have 48 taps. Um, nobody's drank them all in one visit. Um, challenge. Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, Wait, how, many beer, how many beers is that? A, a uh, pour and oh, like an ounce of beer? Uh, it would be 48 four. ounces. Yeah. So four. almost four. you know, three. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it's, a, it's an interesting cocktail if you mix you know, right. 48 different beers. Um, very interesting <laughs> cocktail. But, um, but basically, we, we charge by the ounce. Uh, guests that come in, they give, we give them a card after we check their ID. And that card turns on the tap. And it's almost like a gas pump, but for beer. How but more cool. tastier, of course. Mm-hmm. Very so. cool. And the beer that you guys pick, you said, is mostly kind of craft, local. Yeah. What we really, one of our core values is to support the community and other entrepreneurs. And um, we source, most of the beer that we serve is local. And it's made by small breweries that are independent, certified independent. So some of the breweries deliver the beer themselves. It's the brewer dropping it off in a van and, you know, unloading so it cool. and stuff. So, and it's fresh. That's the, the great thing about local craft beer. So with the 48 different options that we have, we've categorized them by style. And you can, you know, try an ounce or two ounces or pour a full pint and really sample what we have. What I love about that is, and we we're talking off air about this too, is... W- when you go in, and I like beer, but I, if I see a bunch of taps and I haven't tried six of them, I might ask a bartender or somebody might ask a bartender, hey, do you like that one? And beer is a very, um, it's a personal taste thing. Mm-hmm. But if I drink one of them and I don't love it, I'm probably not going to try something else that's new. I'll just go back to if you like Coors Light, you're going to go to Coors. If you like a 312, you might just go to whatever sure. you like. So you don't sample that much. So I love the idea because I feel like I would sample so much more beer if I could just have little taste tests of each one. Yeah, and you may not know much about the brewery, so if you touch the screen above the tap, it tells you about the brewery. It tells you where it's brewed and the style of beer. Um, Instead of having bartenders, we've sort of uh, repurposed their role as beer ambassadors. So these are attendants that help you find that perfect pour. Uh, many of them are professionals that work for fun at Red Arrow Tap Room. Yeah. And many of their wives appreciate. They just, dr- they just drink. <laughs> they drink all day. Yeah. Well, they um, some after their shift will yeah. uh, have a beer or two. Um, but they're very knowledgeable about beer and they're passionate yeah. about it. So instead of having a bartender that's really busy, you know, that might not want to even pour like a flight of beer, these beer ambassadors are there just to talk about beer. And what kind of amazing job is that, just to talk about beer and get other people excited about craft beer in the local breweries? And that's awesome because for them, like you said, they're not a bartender that's running from one side of the bar to the other side of the bar. Somebody wants you know, a martini. Somebody wants something else. They can just work on what they're passionate about. They exactly. love beer and they just hang out and chat about beer. Yeah, and their wives love it. Because <laughs> yeah. when they come yeah. home, they don't have to chat about the beer to their wives. Exactly. And the, and the folks that we have as beer ambassadors, many of them have day jobs. They're professionals. We have doctors, um, real estate agents that you know, maybe they work a few shifts a week and they just engage with customers and get them excited about craft beer. That's so, so cool. So you guys are in Elmhurst and Naperville. What came first? Uh, Elmhurst, yeah. Elmhurst. We opened uh, about two and a half years ago. And so Naperville is recent? Yeah, about six months ago. Very cool. Yeah, so we're just, um, you know, in addition to the, the beer, we're, um, you know, we do self-service um, where you can order your food at the table. So we're actually a serverless restaurant. That's cool, too. And um, we have a mobile app as well. You can order food from the app. Um, so that makes it easy for guests. We're also, um, one of the things that we've done a little bit different than most restaurants is we eliminated gratuity. Nice. So um, all of our staff is compensated uh, much higher than uh, normal wages for a restaurant. And in addition to that, we do a revenue share program where we take all the sales, we pull them together and share it with the entire team, front of the house and back of the house. Wow, good for you guys. Yeah, so it's a, it's a team-based compensation model that um, 
the folks that work for us get paid more than regular restaurants, but we have less of them. So. And, and I and I presume that it's a less stressful working environment because obviously working in the industry, having to serve uh, food and beer, if nobody comes in, that's a very stressful day, and it, yeah. it goes home with you. So it's. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard of a bar restaurant using kind of the profit share gratuities gone idea. What a cool platform. And you guys are doing a lot of tech work with this as well, yeah, right? Yeah. So uh, we're kind of a tech company that sells beer and barbecue, great <laughs> smoked like meats. Um, but what we're really trying to do is better understand how we can eliminate a lot of the customer pain points and also find out what our customers prefer and then better market to their needs. So. In the news this week, McDonald's bought a big tech company, and they're trying to personalize the guest experience. Uh, we've been doing that for two years now, so we're a little bit ahead of that. But what we're trying to do is find what you may like and then make recommendations when you come in and then um, sort of personalize your, your experience. So I think that's where a lot of the restaurant industry is going, and I think we're kind of ahead of it with the technology that we have. Awesome. What was your background before you did this? Um, I was a uh, consultant. Um, okay. So I worked for a large consulting firm and then uh, also had my own firm for a while and worked with a lot of restaurants and franchisees on helping them uh, improve their operations and uh, adopt technology. It's interesting because yeah. you had a lot of oversight and a look into some of the pro pain points, like you said, of restaurants and yeah. that business. Whereas a lot of people I feel who've come on and they own restaurants, had somebody in the family who had a restaurant and they said, well, it's been in the family, so I'm going to get in the restaurant business again. Mm -hmm. It was almost a, you got into it from a pain slash problem solving standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that's sort of it. You know, I, I love craft beer, right? And I always hated when you go into a, a bar and you just really can't try a lot of it you yeah. know, because of the bar, the, it's busy. Um, I always hated when my order got, you know, put in incorrectly by the server. So we kind of limited that. I like the idea of being able to customize what I want when I order it. And we can do that now with tablets at the table. Um, I, you know, I didn't like the, the, the tipping model. I think there's better ways to sort of incentivize uh, team members. So we got rid of that. Uh, we're also doing a lot of innovative things around uh, capturing data, like when guests come in, um, you know, if we have uh, technology that can see when they come back, so we can measure a lot of the operational metrics of the restaurant, and then we can market to them. So um, we can do smart marketing campaigns where, let's say you come in, you order a kid's item, you know, maybe a week later you might get an offer that says here's a free kid's meal on Wednesday. So we can really look at the, the transactional data of the guest and then market to them specifically, which I think is brilliant. more than most restaurants can do because most customers are anonymous once they leave the restaurant. I mean, it's brilliant. There's so many people pay to get data like that. I mean, we have a, a one of my side businesses is a, is a tech startup, but in the real estate world. And when we were talking to consultants and people who were in that space, they said all the money's in the data now. You know, data is so valuable and you guys are pooling this data and then marketing back to the customer in a strategic way. Yeah, and, Smart. And, and personalizing. You come yeah. in and um, you, you the table tablet pops up and you might see what's trending on the restaurant and you can order that item. Um, we can look at, you know, the beers that are poured, how many ounces are poured per pour, um, all the way down. You know, there's a lot of great insights that we can get to, to make a better experience for our guests. How often does the beer selection change? Because you got 48 of them. Yeah. That's a lot of craft it's beer. It's a constant rotation. Okay. So um, we're, you know, we're putting anywhere from 20, 25 new kegs a week. So that list is always sort of uh, rotating. So when you come in each day, there's a few new beers on. So we, we manage that through good planning and it's by style category. So there's a good representation of all the styles like IPAs, and Belgians and wheats. 
So you can pretty much, you know, any style, there's going to be four or five beers in that category. Do you have a favorite? I mean, it's like asking who, what your favorite <laughs> yeah, kid is. Yeah, I, you know, I like IPAs. I'm more of an IPA guy. I do okay. like to try other beers. I'm, I prefer IPAs. I think the everybody has their style of beer. Yeah. They may have not found it yet, but there's a style for everybody. Well, they should go to your, your restaurant slash bar and try more stuff so they can find it. I mean, I feel like that's the inherent problem with figuring out what kind of beer you like. Either you got to drink a crap ton of it and either yeah. you're going to be wasted or you get in bad shape. Um, and where are you going to go to be able to taste test all of that stuff? You know, you got a lot of wine tasting. You don't have a lot of beer tasting events in the city of Chicago. Just go to you guys in Elmhurst or Naperville and taste a bunch of it. And we also find that uh, customers taste more. I mean, we don't want yeah. anybody to, to overconsume, but that's right, John. When you go there, yeah. So <laughs> mind yourself. But if you're that's not, me. you know, if, if you're not selling something to somebody, you know, you go to traditional restaurants and the server's trying to sell you another drink. Here, you just pour at your leisure. So you may try a little bit more than the average restaurant. Most people pour two and a half beers on their visit. Okay. So it's a good average. Maggie is asking, where's the one in Naperville? It's uh, downtown Naperville on Washington Street, right in the corner of Washington and Jefferson. And Naperville oh, wow. is blowing up. I mean, it's yeah, in the real estate up. world, it's blown yeah. up. Um, but I think people forget that Aurora and Naperville are the second busiest, I, I guess, combination of cities outside of Chicago in the yeah. state. I think people forget Aurora and Naperville are a big market. The uh, the Naperville restaurant market is second in the state to Chicago, and, and Schaumburg's like a third Really? So yeah. it's bigger than Schaumburg? Yeah, they just they beat them last year by, I think it was like $5 million. Wow. Yeah, it was a close you know, close race, but they're number two right now. That's awesome. Um, yeah, but Naperville's a, a great town. Um, but one thing I want to say is um, when, you, when you go to a local liquor commissioner and you explain that you're going to allow people to pour their own <laughs> <Yeah>. beer. <laughs> I can imagine that. You can imagine that conversation. Uh -huh. So we do a lot of things to make sure uh, people are safe um, with our, our processes, our technology. Um, uh, the standard oper operating procedures of our staff and the training. So as we have these conversations with local you know, liquor commissioners, we want to you know, kind of emphasize that safety is important. Um, but there's ways that we can prevent people from over-consuming better than most restaurants because we know exactly sure. what you pour. I was going to say probably much better because you guys have a technology and technology-driven, also very accurate. As a bartender, if they're busy all night, they're not keeping track of how much I drink. I mean, unless I'm drinking, which I do from time to time, unless it's shot after shot of tequila, like uh -huh. this guy's had too yeah. much tequila. But if, if people are passing in and out and they're going you know, to the bar and then walking away, it's hard to keep track, whereas you guys have actual data. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's a safety feature. Yeah. Um, but it, it is interesting as you go to these, these, uh, these cities and try to imagine. explain, like, here's, here's what we're going to do. You know? so, but I think it's going to be more common. I think if you look out you know, five, five, six years, most restaurants will have some aspect of self-service. Um, I think we're just ahead of it all right now, yeah. which is great. We're trying to be forward-thinking with the tech and the data. I mean, the last couple of years when you see the minimum wage going up, you, you hear and you read all the articles about people getting rid of staff and then putting uh, tablets or computers or a self-service idea behind restaurants and bars. And yeah, you guys are ahead of the curve because that's a conversation that's happening now in the industry, but you guys have been there, like you said, for two years now. Yeah, and I think you know a lot of it's emphasis on you know reducing labor, which which is important, but especially in a restaurant business. But it's also about creating a better guest experience. Mm -hmm. So if you can try your own beer and pour it yourself, yeah. that's a better experience for the guest versus trying to wait for a bartender to pour you a, a pint. Um, and then if you want to order your food, you can order it right at the table and immediately have the order in the kitchen. 
Uh, we also have, uh, similar to the Amazon store, it's um, uh, Express Checkout. Okay. So we give you a card and we pre-authorize your credit card when you come in, but when you're ready to leave, if you don't want a receipt, you can just drop your card in an Express Checkout box and walk out. How cool is that? Because you don't awesome. have to leave a tip and it just it's more of a sort of a frictionless experience. In the restaurant. Oh, that really is a cool experience. And you guys do barbecue really well as we do, well. yeah. Uh, what goes well? Pizza goes great with beer, but <laughs> yeah. we have a few flatbreads. But uh, but we also do smoked meats as well. So we okay. do uh, eight different smoked meats in house in both restaurants. You're so. s you're singing to my heart right yeah. now. <laughs> we were chatting off air, and a lot of people who are watching who know me know I love my green egg, and um, it's uh, barbecue's big, beer is big, and you guys are in the right right portion of that business. When you come home every night, you, you know, you smell like barbecue. So that's one of the, one of the <laughs> yeah. drawbacks, whether, you know, but uh, yeah, it's uh, barbecue goes great with beer and, yeah. and so does pizza, of course. <laughs> Do you guys have any plans of uh, expanding? Pa I mean, Naperville's recent, obviously. But yeah, yeah. Spots. So the goal was to sort of, you know, build out the prototype, which is Elmhurst two and a half years ago, and then scale it to a, a higher volume location. Uh, right now with the unit economics of the restaurant and you know, how that particular uh, restaurant performs, um, r related to labor and, and all the other costs that go in a restaurant, we outperform a lot of competitors in the same space like, like by a big margin. So what we're doing now is franchising. We've sort of operationalized the entire restaurant all the way down to standard operating procedures, and we're getting ready to uh, franchise out the concept. Very so. cool. So um, Chicago-based, or are you going to go national with it? Uh, we have uh, interest in Chicago. Um, we're looking at uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, Texas, and then we have some uh, operators out in Seattle that are very interested. Okay, so Texas is going to love the barbecue. Yeah, yeah well, that, that might be a little, you know, a little challenge. They do barbecue really well down in yeah, Texas. Yeah, they're going to expect so. some real good barbecue. Yeah. But you're probably going to get more people in the in the kitchens that are accustomed to cooking yeah, Texas barbecue. Yeah, a lot of expertise down there. And this is your first go at franchising? Yeah, franchise yeah exactly. Yeah, so Very we cool. just, just filed and uh, we're getting ready to, to make the offer. We haven't done official marketing, but we've had a lot of interest already. I can imagine it's yeah. a great concept. Um, so, is the Tapville Station the kind of tech arm or the, uh, the uh, franchise arm of that? Yeah, so Tapville Station will be the new name going forward for franchisees, um, and uh, same concept, um, but just the new name. So. And then locally, when you guys are going outside of Chicago land area, still going to look at local breweries and. Yeah, the model is to really support uh, wherever we're located, the local brewery scene. Cool. Um, even if you come into our tap room now, all our uh, photos on the wall are local breweries and entrepreneurs. So we really, that's one of our core values to support the community. So any new locations will support their local brewery scene. And I was, again, it was off air, but I think the average person who drinks a beer doesn't realize how much goes into making beer. I'd gone to a hop farm and worked for a day on it, watched them harvest, and it was crazy to watch how much labor went into from them harvesting or even planting hops to now us drinking this. It's a crazy amount of effort. It's a crazy amount of effort, and it's, um, it's a lot of passion that a lot of these breweries have. It's a very uh, nice community where people help each other, even though they're you know, competitors. Um, but it's a lot of risk that these entrepreneurs take to, to form a brewery. And they quit their day jobs. They you know, take out you know, SBA loans, and they buy all the equipment in a pretty competitive market. Um, so it, it's, it's more than just the, uh, the ingredients and the time, but it's the passion that goes into it. Yeah. 
Um, and what we like to do is just celebrate that. That's kind of one of That's our awesome. values. So. I bet the bankers look at them the same way that the liquor commission looks at you when they come in for that SBA loan <laughs> and say, eh, like, would like some money to go brew some beer. <laughs> well, actually, it, the equipment's worth a lot. So there's yeah, a lot of uh, collateral there. The collateral there. Um, and some of the equipment over the years, because of such a demand for breweries, the equipment appreciates. Interesting. So, um, you know, there may be uh, advantages if, you know, the bank had to repossess. But, um, but yeah, there's a, you know, it's a lot that goes into it. And it's, um, you can taste it in every drop or yeah. ounce. <laughs> I mean, this noon whistle is really good. Mm-hmm. John, I don't know if you can zoom in on it. And, and where can they buy this? I mean, obviously through you guys. Yeah, uh, they do distribution. Today. And then you could go to their tap room uh, out in Lombard. Okay. Right on Roosevelt. Uh, great tap room. And you can buy it right there. Very cool. You got it? Yep. And obviously, I'm not going to try to turn this over so it spills on the table, but this is a really cool can. Yeah, there's a, there's a story behind the can, um, but I'll, uh, I'll leave that out. But it's a new design that was approved, um, but uh, it is a cool can. So. Are you starting to see this sort of can pop up more? Yeah, yeah, it's a very com- yeah, a com- okay. more common can. I've never um, seen it, but... Mm-mm. I've never seen it either. I, yeah, I, like I it. loved it. I'm like yeah, a kid like, looking at this yeah. thing like, oh, yeah. look at that. I mean, it's like... Um, the old Michelob can. Yeah, you could pull off. The, you could like, the, pull off the whole top. Mm-hmm. Makes you drink faster, faster I think. Okay. <laughs> um, but this was awesome. Um, I'm gonna segue over to Jonathan, I think, because I think we're gonna have a really cool roundtable here with the two of you guys. Yeah. Um, Jonathan is the founder of the Chicago Pizza Tours and the Prohibition Tours. Um, I'd heard of both because actually, I had seen the buses around the city of Chicago. Did we cut you off? No, no, thank God, no. But uh, I probably cut you guys off, knowing my driving habits. John's shaking his head, yes. But I lived in Streeterville for 11 years, so I used to see you guys around almost the last, I don't know, you said 2010, right? Right, so the pizza tour goes back to 2010. And, um, you know, four years later after that, um, one of my my tour guides, uh, you know, came to me with the idea, uh, which then morphed into the Prohibition Tour. So we co-founded that together in uh, 2014. So, Very cool. Yeah, can't believe it's gonna. It's five years for that and nine years for the for the pizza tours. It's crazy. And I'm gonna read off your quote because I love this, and I'll let you explain this. Sure. Explain it to everybody. You said there is never really one thing that leads you to quit your sales job, buy a bus, and decide to take out strangers for pizza. Takes a lot of factors to get there. Again, we spoke off air about it, but tell the story because it's a really cool story. Sure. So I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's a long. So it starts with with having just a, a deep love for for pizza and a passion for pizza. I had this group of friends, you know, growing up. Um, we were always into pizza. So like, you know, you finish the baseball game, the first thing you got to do is go get pizza. Um, you want to go out, hang out with your friends. Instead of going to the roller rink or the bowling alley or stuff like that, we were always trying to investigate new pizzerias. And uh, a buddy of mine, you know, his, his older brother got his driver's license. Now we got the okay to, to drive down into the city. And as long as we go straight to Gino's East and get deep dish pizzas and bring them back for our parents and stuff like that. So, um, you know, pretty much spent my youth just kind of, you know, checking out pizza. It was just a part of growing up. Um, and, I, and I always joke, like, you know, I had these friends. We all went to different colleges. Uh, I went to Eastern Illinois, and uh, you know, when I got there, I didn't know anybody there, so I had to make all you know new friends, w- w- which I did. And then uh, four years later, or five years in my case, when I, when I got out of college, um, I moved back in with my my friends from like grade school and high school. We moved into the north side of Chicago, um, and uh, I had these college friends that would come visit us on the weekends and stuff. And usually, I would drag them out to like three or four different pizza places and they would go to a, a White Sox game or a Cubs game or something like that. Um, but through the course of the weekend, I'd be like, oh, you got to try this 
pan pizza here from Pequod's, or you got to try this, you know, deep dish pizza from, you know, Paisano's or something like that. And uh, I, I used to joke that I was giving pizza tours to friends for years. It's just, it's not until like 2009 that I started writing down how I was actually going to do this as a business. Um, so, you know, out of college, uh, my, my dad uh, was in the promotional products industry, and he, it was the first startup I was involved with was his startup. He started, uh, you know, Porter Specialty Advertising in uh, 1999. So I'm getting out of college, and I'm like just sitting there at the desk answering phones, you know, writing the customer service, sales. When, when you're in a small business, it's just two or three people. You, you do everything. So that's kind of how I learned, um, you know, being around small business, and, and we did that for years. But it's not until like 2008 starts to roll around. You know, I had these great customers. I love the business, um, but really the, the money started to dry up. You know, the economy was going south. Um, I still had great relationships with these customers. We'd talk to them over the phone. Um, they'd be like, well, it was great talking to you, John, but I don't have an order for you. And it got to the point where it was just getting awkward that we were still you know, having these conversations and talking and all that, but not, no orders ever came of it. Um, I still had one really good customer that, w that was kind of hanging around. Um, so that was still making, you know, making my paychecks for me. Um, but it wasn't until like, uh, literally, like you couldn't even write this. I get home from, from uh, my wife and I, uh, she gave birth to our son in March of, of 2009. I, we literally get home from the hospital, it's like maybe you know, early April, um, nine years ago, and I get the, the phone call, uh, or 10 years ago, I get the phone call that says, you know what, we've had the new CEO, he's been in the job for three, four months now, he's figured out what changes he wants to make, you're out. So, so that was literally it. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I I have this um this baby. He's about uh, four days old now. So you know, <laughs> and uh, a, a property in the South Loop, a property in, in Bucktown, all that. Um, so yeah, it was a real uh, gut punch. And I, you know, I, I did what I could at the time. I'm like, my wife was you know still employed. She was on leave, obviously. Um, but I uh, I I went and took a job teaching tennis for the city of Chicago. It was like a $10 an hour or $11 an hour job. I, I don't even remember. But what, whatever it was, I was just getting any money I could to, you know, put in the pile and see what we could do. Um, so I would teach kids from, I would, I would try and get new customers in the morning, um, you know, sell from like 8 a.m. till about noon. And then I would drive to um, where Maggie Daly Park is right now, is, was where these tennis courts were. Um, I would drive there and I would teach kids in the afternoon um, which is basically glorified babysitting. I, I was babysitting <laughs> these kids till their parents picked them up from work. Don't hit your friend with the racket. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, I would teach them tennis for, for a few hours, and then there'd be like a 30-minute break or so, and then the adult leagues would, would come in at night, and then I would teach adults until like 10 o'clock at night. Um, and then I would come home from, from doing that, and I mean, it's a long day, but when you're teaching tennis, you're on your feet, you're kind of running around with the kids and stuff like that in the afternoon, so you're, you're kind of wired. So I would come home, get home at like 10, 10.30 or so, and I would just like write down, if I was going to do a pizza tour, how would I do it? What order would I want to taste these pizzas in? What stops would I incorporate into it? Um, you know, how would this all work, you know, if I ever, you know, decided to go ahead and do this? And I think I worked, the, you know, the whole summer until uh, till fall um, of 2009, um, you know, teaching this tennis thing, and then kind of the gigs up, you know, the kids go back to school, so they no longer need me for that, and, you know, I could still do lessons in the evening, but I didn't really want to do that for the rest of my life anyways. 
Um, so it really started to come to a point where I'm like, all right, here's the business plan. We start working on it. Um, start going to, to to banks to see what kind of money I get. You guys joked about like going to get a loan <laughs> for, for yeah. yeah. You, you could tell them you're gonna go do a pizza tour. All right. So. <laughs> when there was when there was no like tours like that. no they, yeah. there were no food tours really at the time. There was a couple. <laughs> there was maybe one food tour in Chicago. I was walking. It, it's all types of food. Yeah, you go in and tell them you're going to do a pizza tour. They're like, what are you talking about? Um, so yeah, so it was basically you know taking the money that I had set aside uh, and buying a bus. Uh, and I, you know, pay cash for it, you know, just bought the bus. I'm like, all right, it's good, good to go. Now, what am I going to do for a website? Well, those are kind of expensive, but Yahoo's got these templates. Let me see if I can just put one together. And I, I put together a Yahoo template. It, you know, you were talking about McDonald's earlier. It was like red and yellow. If I saw the website right now, I would cringe. Um, but it or was laugh. Yeah, <laughs> both probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my wife and I built this this template of a, a website that was just like order your ticket or you know, a very basic. Um, and then the the hardest thing was that we bought this bus and. I was trying to get it, get insurance for it. Like you, you need general liability insurance, obviously, but then you need vehicle insurance, and nobody knew how to cover it. So I'd have this conversation on a Monday with my insurance guy, and be like, "All right, so here's what we're doing. Let me know how much it is." And I put the phone down and think to myself, "Okay, he's on it. Let me let me start working on some of these other things." Um, and then Thursday would come around, and be like, "I haven't heard from him yet. What what the heck's going on?" Hey, hey Tony, what's going on with the uh, with the insurance? He's like. Well, you know, John, uh, I really don't know what to tell you. I, I can't. It's going to be real expensive, is what we used to say. It's going to be really expensive. And I'm like, okay. Um, well, what, what is it? He's like, well, I don't know because I can't figure out how to get this covered. You're not a restaurant. You're not a, a limo company, uh, but you're kind of dipping into both of these worlds. You're feeding people. You're driving them around. Um, you know, it, it just it fell in this really gray area. Um, so I ended up having to like abandon it. This went on for months. It took me. I mean, I was ready to roll in like March of, oh nine, of of 2010, but we didn't run our first tour until May because it it was literally two months of insurance. And then my my ticketing company was like, "You got to get insured so we can push this live." They're ready to drop me, and I'm, it, it, I couldn't believe that of all the things I'm going through here, insurance for the bus was was the Crazy. the one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and nobody knew how to do it because it just it hadn't been done before really. Um, so for, luckily I, I, I tracked somebody else down. They knew what it was, but it was super expensive. It was the one year of insurance was almost as expensive as the bus, which, yeah, which I was like, Oh wow. Definitely okay. hadn't planned for. No, hadn't planned for it. But I, my thought was, all right, well, you know, it's going to be a little bit more than this much a month. It, it's a, it's a lot of money, but we can, we can figure it out. And they're like, no, 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 that bill's due today. You have to pay for it all up front. That'll cover you till next year. Yikes. So then I was really wow. like, all right. Um, I pushed all the money in and said, uh, now we're just a website floating in space. I got no money for, for advertisements or anything like that. Just hope someone finds us is, is kind of the, uh, the, the, the plan at the time. And I mean, and that's exactly how it was. We're this website, this template website from, from Yahoo's templates floating in space, um, hoping somebody just happens to Google Chicago pizza tours and finds us and books two tickets. And I'll, I'll, I'll remember the, the name of the, the guy that bought the first tickets. His name was Jonathan Spirell. His nickname was Bogey. He bought two tickets. It was like a, 
a second date with some girl and, and that was it. Did I'm he have like, the whole bus to himself? Yeah. Well, so he, so he bought two tickets and I'm like, all right, first customers. And then I'm like, all right, family and friends, you, you guys got to come out on this tour. Also. Oh, I, I, need, I need to get like at least four more people out here. So it was like, I think it was my brother, my mom, uh, a couple other people, <laughs> all, all that. But, uh, yeah, if he ever, uh, if he ever calls me again or emails me or anything, I'll definitely send him a care package and he, he maybe he gets free, free tours for life or something like that. But he, I, uh, I remember his name. Yeah. He was like, baby, I rented out the whole bus just for us. <laughs> and it was like, it was like a hungover Sunday for the two of them. Like they, they like their first date was like Saturday night. Probably they went out drinking and then like Sunday they were like <laughs> getting to know each other a little bit better. And yeah, there's a pizza tour. <laughs> so it. how did you pick the pizza spots? Cause that, that's the difficult thing to do. There's so many spots. Right. So we, we always wanted to do a mix of what I call like culturally significant and then neighborhood pizzerias. So I always knew it was going to be bus driven. It wasn't going to be, a, you know, a downtown walking tour uh, because when people come to Chicago, they stay at a hotel in the downtown area. They probably go to, you know, the Giordano's or, uh, Gino's. you know, Gino's East that the concierge, the hotel told them about. And that's their Chicago pizza experience. So what we wanted to do was make sure we started downtown at a place that was significant to the creation of the deep dish pizza. Um, but that was it for downtown. Then the bus picks you up and next thing you know, you're out in Hyde Park or you're in the West Town neighborhood or, you know, Bucktown or something like that. And you're like, wait a minute, you know, where are we? I, I can't even see the tall buildings anymore or something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just wanted to deliver that real, you know, Chicago pizza experience. And, um, you know, it wasn't it, in the early days, it wasn't super easy to sign everybody up as far as the restaurants, you know, to who, to, who we were going to be working with. Uh, again, it's 2010. I come in, I explain to them, um, my name's John. I'm with the Chicago Pizza Tour, and we would like to feature you on, on our tour. I'm going to bring in thousands of people a year here, and we're going to eat at your place really quickly, and then we're going to be gone. And, you know, they're going to know what your food tastes like and, and, and all that. Um, and they're all like, what do, what do you mean? You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there was some of that, but like, and I, and I, I remember too, it's like, I was like, all right, what do I do first? Do I get one of the big names on board or do I get one of the little guys on board? And then, so what I ended up doing was just going right to one of the little guys, uh, which was coal fire in the West town neighborhood. And this is 2010. Um, that was their only location. And I said, you know, the big guys are signed up. I want to put you guys on this as well. <laughs> like that. And they call awesome. me back right away. And then next day, you know, I, I go into Paisano's uh, a little bit later. I'm like, I got all the, uh, you know, the, the guys from the local neighborhoods. They're already in on this. I got room for one culturally significant place downtown. You want in on this? You know, it was kind of, it was kind of that. Uh, but it all came together. And I mean, like, fortunately, I, I had pulled all my friends and, and created this Excel sheet, which I still have, um, and color coded it from like different styles, uh, different neighborhoods. And um, I, I said, I didn't tell them what I was doing, but I said, you know, what are some of your favorite pizza places, um, you know, for, say, tavern-style thin crust? What are some of your favorites for deep dish? What, what about stuffed? And you know, I was starting to see that, you know, a lot of the ones kept reappearing. So I'm like, okay, I think, you know, I think it would be a good mix if we, we did this one first and then we went to this one and we featured that pizza at this place. So, you know, like a, basically research. I, I was just kind of going in and figuring out how to how to present it to you know folks so what are the common different types because you said deep dish and stuffed and for me that almost seems the same oh yeah yeah um so, so they're, they? they're totally different um stuffed is like layperson the, right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah 
Stuffed is like the, the big brother of deep dish. What you have with stuffed is it's more of a traditional pizza dough. You'll see a lot of stuffed places will also do tavern-style thin crust. So it's the same dough that they use for their tavern-style, but they're going to use a little bit more of it for the stuffed. Now, with the stuffed, you take the, the, the deep dish pan that you're familiar with, and you kind of line the bottom of it with butter. And then you'll run that dough through a, a sheeter um, and make it kind of a uniform shape. Stuff that down in there. It'll be a little bit thicker towards the bottom. Then it's all shredded cheese that goes into a stuffed pizza and your toppings. Then there's another uh, layer of dough that goes through the sheeter a couple of times. gets really, really thin, and they're going to put that layer on top. So all your toppings and cheese are really stuffed in between two um, of, of a drier pizza dough as opposed to deep dish, where deep dish has got a higher hydration uh, level to it, and it's going to have a lot more oil in the dough mixture. Um, if you were to, you know, you see the guys throwing the dough up in the air. If you were to take a deep dish dough ball and throw it up in the air, it would rip into pieces and oil would fly everywhere. So it's got to be handled very gently. Corn oil or vegetable oil on the bottom of the pan, and you just kind of slowly pad that dough as you spin the pan, work it towards the end. And then it's always slices of cheese that go into the deep dish pizza. And that kind of creates a barrier level in, in there so that none of the liquidy sauce that goes on on top of that gets into the dough and sagifies your crust. And I realize that sagify is not a real word, but I use it on the tour all the time. I love it. Sagify. Sagify. At some point, it might might end up in the dictionary. Um, it's in the pizza dictionary now. Right, right. So uh, so your stuffed isn't as crisp. Deep dish should be real crispy but brittle. Like cut into it, break it apart. Um, where stuffed is just this monster of cheese and in between these two doughs and a real heavily cooked sauce. There's usually a, a pretty good recipe involved with the sauce for, for stuffed pizza, whereas a, a deep dish pizza is usually just fresh tomatoes, hand squeezed, put on there, cooked for the first time when they go in the oven. What's your message for people who say New York pizza is better than Chicago? <laughs> well, you know, it, it's oh. it's just it's, it's it, different. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I love, I, so my wife and I, we love going to New York. I love New York pizza, um, but it's very different. And like we've, People think of Chicago as like the deep dish capital of the world, and that's true. It was invented here. It, we do it, uh, you know, we do it here better than anywhere else. But for the most part, people, I always tell this on the tour too in the beginning, is the locals really only eat it on special occasion when people from out of town are visiting us. What we <laughs> right. grew up on is a thin crust tavern yeah. style pizza. Uh, not like this here, but just it's cir circular cracker thin pizza cut into squares. Um, and it's very different from the thin crust pizza that they have in New York where you've got sort of the, uh, the the tip sag, and it's a little bit thicker than our thin crust, and it's a, more of a doughier, breadier-type pizza. And, um, you know, all pizza's you good. You love pizza. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, if, if you're going to ask me which one's better, I grew up on Chicago pizza. It's Chicago pizza. How, how many stops do you make on, on the tour? <coughs> yeah. So on, on, a, on a tour, we'll, we'll stop at four stops. Uh -huh. So we work with about 20 places, but, um, you know, you'll only go to four. On four slices. Or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it ends up, pizza's one of those things where we always order extra, maybe order a couple different types at each place, so it's more than just four slices, really. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of pizza. Yeah, I feel like you have to pace yourself. Oh, for sure, for sure. And, I mean, that we, we started, you know, we let people know that they're going to have more than 2,000 calories uh, worth of pizza <laughs> over the next turn. Yeah. There goes our diet, John. <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, more, more than a couple thousand calories, but... You know, if you like a pizza, love it. That's great. Don't get too used to it because the next one that we're going to taste, drastically different. And uh, and try not to overeat because I really want you to eat at the last stop. And what's really nice for these restaurants is if somebody loves it and they're Chicago-based, they're going to come back and probably have dinner there. 
40% of our customers are locals. It's just awesome. people that cool. wanted to do a pizza tour. Yeah. It's just, you know, like, yeah, this sounds awesome. Let's do it. You know. People who lost a bet to their buddy who said they'd yeah. take them on a pizza tour. And I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> um, and Saturdays, you guys have pizza and cocktails, right? Yeah. So, I mean, work? on a typical Saturday, what we'll do is we run our original pizza tour from 11 a.m. till about 2.30, 3 o'clock. Then we run our Prohibition tour from 4 to 7, 7.30-ish. Um, and then the pizza and cocktails tour actually starts where the Prohibition tour ends. So we take that bus out. It's just doing circles all day. Uh, until we, uh, you know, we get to the final one. So the pizza and cocktails tour, it's our evening one. That one's going to make three stops. Uh, you get uh, still about four to five slices of pizza, a mixture of deep dish, pan, tavern style, and artisanal. And then you're going to get a craft beer or, a, you know, a drink at each place as well. So if you do the Prohibition tour and you get drunk and then you're hungry, you can do the pizza and cocktails tour and keep your buzz going the rest of the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, but I haven't had anybody sign up for that yet. I, I have people do the... Oh, challenge oh, accepted yeah. again. Challenge oh, accepted. Yeah. I get plenty of people that will do the original pizza tour and then the Prohibition tour. And sometimes they don't even know that they've signed up for both, that they're going to be with us. And like my guy will be like, hang here with me. We're going over there right now anyways. So uh, it's kind of a nice surprise for him. So tell us about the Prohibition Tour because I mistakenly thought, and you said a lot of people do the same thing, thought it was the Al Capone Chicago gangster type tour. Right, right. So um, so we started the Prohibition Tour uh, in 2014. And it started uh, when one of my, uh, the guy who was, who was doing a lot of driving for me, he was also doing a lot of guiding for me, Jonathan Notek. He approached me with the idea of doing um, a cocktail tour, you know, and we kind of kicked the idea around. I, and it, ultimately, we're like, you know, if you have a good bartender, there's no real need to, to leave to go get another cocktail somewhere else. But what if we could attach, you know, one of the most notorious eras of Chicago's history and do a historical tour where we visited these places that acted as speakeasies during Prohibition and continue to operate today? Now we've got a good story to tell. We've got reason to go to these different places. And you can also drink along the way, too. Um, so we kind of dove in and started doing some of our research. And, and much like you, we thought, you know, this tour is probably going to be about Al Capone and, and Deanna Banyan and, and all the infamous characters from the Beer Wars. Uh, but what we found is that Prohibition starts really, it, it dates way back to, like, the founding of the country and, you know, the, the level of alcoholism in, in America uh, in the, you know, in the 1700s. Joe's it's, like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, um, you know, grog time uh, every day at, uh, at 11 and 4, stop whatever you're doing and start drinking. You know, it was <laughs> like an American pastime. We found that the uh, average American um, at, by the age of 15 was drinking on average around 88 bottles of whiskey a year. Oh, wow. wow. Right. <laughs> they, they probably still do in, yeah. in high schools. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so the, wow. there, we, we learned there, was, there were all these different movements, um, and most of them were, were women's movements, and uh, because women ultimately really didn't have any rights in this country, um, and if you were you know, married, you were your husband's property, and, um, and John had even brought up, yeah, what was happening was that guys were going to the saloon after work and blowing their whole paycheck and then coming home and beating their wives and children. And what they, they had figured was that, you know, alcohol was an evil. So women started to, you know, work on the eradication uh, of this evil. Um, it's not just the women also. There were, there were plenty of other uh, movements that, that wanted to back prohibition. But, you know, things, they take time. And, and this movement goes on. So we, we know that prohibition is enacted in 1920 um, when the 18th Amendment is, is put into law. 
but really it starts 100 years prior to that and it gets wiped out by the civil war at one point it was really close but but the civil war wipes it out um and, and there's all these different factors that kind of lead up to it um but by the time uh prohibition does get enacted um you know basically it's it's a federal law it goes into effect and uh the federal government's like all right states go ahead and enforce this now and the states are like whoa well, yeah. I, I didn't know I was responsible. We don't want to. Yeah. So and that's where it really becomes yeah. kind of a joke. Uh, and uh, it, it, the story kind of goes from there. So we, we the Prohibition Tour is basically uh, a crash course in um, in Prohibition in America. We're going to focus on Chicago as well, who some of the big players were in Chicago that got things done. Um, and, you know, we're going to kind of dip in and out of both that. Plus, we're going to go into the places where the actual drinking went on and tell you how it went, you know, down there. Um, so it's a fun, you know, basically a four-hour tour or so. Oh, very cool. Um, and uh, it, you can drink along the way. We, it's not included in your ticket. It's a $45 ticket. So, um, you know, you can. we spend about 45 minutes in each place so you can grab a, a beer or a drink or appetizer or something like that and then listen to the guide tell you some of the history. You should see how fast John drinks alcohol in 45 minutes. You guys <laughs> oh, are in trouble. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people that don't know me who might like who is this guy who is this John how guy? is he, <laughs> how is he guy in the standing corner? up jesus he's he's already drank seven noon whistles i have <laughs> and, and i'm chasing it with the whiskey yeah, yeah the proper 12 in the corner <laughs> uh, you actually have a pretty cool story because you grew up in elmhurst and you know of john's location in elmhurst right tell so, the story yeah. so when i cool. saw that he was yeah. was going to be here i'm like i looked up the location you're on first avenue right by yeah. uh, by york road there um and i actually grew up like less than uh probably like six blocks away from there okay so, yeah um but uh, you know the, the used to be a craft store um like either either the place that you're in or right directly kind of shared that entrance there um, and this is going back to like the eighties, early eighties or so. So I would go there as a kid with my, with my mom and she'd be buying yarn and whatever. It was like what Michael's is today. Um, then after that, um, when I was in high school, it was a coffee shop, Yeah. but, uh, I, you know, I didn't drink coffee in high school, but it was where all like the local bands could play. You know, like we had, we had a stage there. Not that I played in bands a lot, but it was basically like the, the kid hangout, um, you know, from my high school days. So it went from craft store where I was forced to go there with my mom <laughs> to high school hangout where like, you know, we went there with friends to, to see, you know, all the girls and stuff at, uh, at this place. Um, but now that it's a, a tap room, I, I've got a reason to go back there now. <laughs> so the, apparently the space just keeps calling to, to me. Then. I got a great idea. Yeah. We grab the bus. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. <laughs> we get on the bus. I like where this is going. <laughs> we'll go there and we'll drink some beer and we'll come back and have some pizza. Oh, boom. <laughs> I, I love it. Love it. There's some great pizzerias in Elmhurst too. We could even do a tour of Elmhurst. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I grew up eating pizza there. So. So plenty. you're from Elmhurst? Are you from there? I'm or? from Plainfield, but okay. I live in Elmhurst. Yeah. Okay, so uh, very yeah, not close, far. not far yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, was Elmhurst a strategic move for you? Like, was it what? What made you go to Elmhurst? I'm always oh, fascinated about there? how uh, restaurants been, pick their first spots. Oh yeah, it, it's all about timing. I think what's available as far as real estate, um, Elmhurst. Uh, there's a lot of development going downtown Elmhurst yeah. right now, so we were just trying to get ahead of that, having a restaurant in there. There's a lot of residential buildings going up. I don't know if you've been back lately. There's high rises. Yeah, now no, in I know, I know. Yeah, I still have um, family that lives in Elmhurst, so I'm there all the time. It's yeah. Right on the metro stop, so we chose that as our first location, and then. Um, then Naperville subsequently because of uh, the, the volume of downtown Naperville. 
If you do a non-franchise location in Northbrook where I live or Glenview, that would be we, awesome. We have interest up there. Really? Yeah, I think we're going north next. Okay. So there's some interest up there, actually. Glenview, yeah. Northbrook. My business partner, yeah. Jeff, drinks a lot of beer, too. <laughs> be consistent customers. Well, you just throw all your business partners under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> under the bus. <laughs> well, he's a hang out with. <laughs> the, the problem is he's an Iowa boy, so he's just like a Coors Light guy. Oh, but I think he'll beer. drink whatever. That's water for guys. It's, it's alcohol water. Is my, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, yeah. he, he definitely has, he, he's a bigger beer fanatic than I am. He's watches every week. He's going to send me a text message in two seconds. Like, don't, don't talk shit. I drink mm -hmm. more beer than you. Yeah. Jeff, you and me. Um, but, uh, yeah, the Northern suburbs need a, yeah, totally. We're going up there next. Very cool. There's some plans. Um, he also has to join our beer club. So, yeah. um, you can get a, a subscription to our beer club every month on the first Tuesday you pick up your curated 12-pack uh, of beer. Very cool. So we look at the data on which you've poured in your prior experiences, and we can curate a 12-pack for you. Oh, that's cool. What a that's cool idea, cool. because yeah, your, yeah. your breweries, obviously, then have almost a direct-to-their-customer base connection there, and then the customer who's coming in gets the beer they like. Yeah. So, so you pick it up in-store? Yeah, pick it up okay. in-store, first Tuesday of the month. Uh, we have it in uh, Elmhurst right now. You can purchase one of those. Um, but we're really looking at your your data, and then we're um, curating a, a, a 12-pack for you. But we're also using some algorithms because we know what if you drink this style of beer, you may like this style of beer. So Introducing. We're, we're kind of personalizing that 12-pack that, that for you. I love that idea. I mean, it's such a rare thing to see a bar restaurant. But you guys, like you said, you're a tech company that you know caters to beer and food compile so much data that you can now introduce somebody to something similar that they love. I mean, it's almost like a, like you, said, we, you brought up Amazon, you buy something on Amazon, it says, you might be interested might in like buying this. this. Yes, and yeah. then it's marketing back to you. So you guys are using that idea in a very strategic way. It's, it's a kind of the giver's gain. These breweries must love that idea. Yeah, and we get a lot of great data that we can share with them too on who their customers are. Uh, we can also, um, because in our, our, on our tap wall, our beer wall, um, it's kind of an equal playing field. There's no tap handles that draw people in. You, know, you go to a normal, normal bar, there's this big tap handle. Yeah. So customers can really experience uh, the beer um, evenly, and then if they like it, they'll pour more. So we actually get a report every night. Uh, comes in when we close of all the beers that are poured for the day, and it kind of force ranks them on which one poured the best. So it's really interesting. When you, when you get really good beer on the wall, um, it'll it always go to the top of the list for multiple days too. So it's not just the branding, but it's actually the quality of beer. So interesting. So it's uh, was t was the tech because I got into the tech world. I just had an idea and I got into the tech world. Was the tech world and kind of the data play, which has become a big thing, something you were always interested in, or did you fall into that after you got into this idea? It was of part of the initial concept. Just okay. really look at data and and really use that to better service guests. So yeah, it was part of the, the initial concept. Smart yeah. fashion so, forward there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is like the Amazon experience. You know, you, you buy something and they make recommendations. You know, McDonald's is trying to do that now. Um, but I like it more because yeah. yours is like either, there's that personal experience too. Exactly. It's not just online. They've been to your place and, and done it. So um, there's that trust that they have in you when, when they go ahead and do that. That's really cool. Yeah, we're getting ready to launch. This may be good or bad for some folks. The uh, personalized pour report. Okay. So if you go in and uh, you can, it's an opt-in, uh, we can see all the beers John that, opts you, out. <laughs> that you that yeah, you me pour. And Jeff. 
for the entire month, and then we'll send you a report that sort of ranks all the beers that you poured, and then make some recommendations at the bottom for you that's coming on tap soon. Don't opt in on the joint uh, husband-wife <laughs> account so she can see, or he can see. Yeah. Maybe she's drinking more beer than he is, um, what you're drinking. That's awesome, though, because it really is that giver's gain mindset. Um, you're helping the, the consumer out, but also all these vendors in these uh, breweries must love that idea. Do you, yeah. get a, do you get a lot of them reaching out to you saying, hey, listen, oh, like, I'm a brewery. We heard you guys do this. Yeah, we actually send out a, a newsletter to them as well. Okay. Uh, we let them know how their beer is performing at Red Arrow versus other you know, breweries. Um, yeah, and you know, our model is to really buy a lot of local beer. Um, so we get a lot of interest from them. And you know, our tap room's decorated with local breweries, and their stories are on there as well. So, What's the deciding factor to have one? Do you taste test them all or...? No, that would be a lot of. I mean, <laughs> a lot of work for you. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of beer. I mean, we're. I mean, we're we're blowing through so much. Uh, I I can't get to every beer, and nor would I. I think. Well, I'd you got ambassadors working yeah. for you now. Yeah. Yeah. We've got people that do that. Yeah. You know, in the organization. I got people that drink my beer yeah. for me. <laughs> we have a buyer now, yeah. uh, and uh, he's looking at what's you know what's seasonal, what's popular. Um, we're also given a lot of. Like if you're a small brewery and you know it's hard to sell your beer to like a bar that might have ten or twelve handles, right? But for us, we'll we'll give anybody a chance and we can let them know how it's performing against other beers. And we go through all of our product because when you're when you're pouring it out, it's not a big risk to try something, you know, versus buying right. a pint at a regular bar. Right. So. How about you, uh, Jonathan? Um, how often do you switch out the restaurants? Have you had the same set of restaurants for a long time, or do you swap them out? Do you? We've uh, what we like to do is is add. So okay. the idea is not to take away any, but to add new ones in and create uh, new routes and stuff like that. So it's something that I need to get better at. Um, what ends up happening is we, we get busy and we just start running our stuff. And now I'm getting customers that are back for the third and fourth time. And I'm like, oh, all right. Uh, yeah, no, we, we, we've got two new ones for you this time, but you're going to visit two that you've already been to. You know, um, so, so it is something that I'm, I'm looking into. And I always got to, uh, you know, we had... Well, we had basically on Mondays, you might visit, you know, your off the wall pizza was going to be peace. On Wednesdays, it was going to be Michello. Um, on Fridays, you got coal fire. So I, I do need to get better at basically saying, okay, listen, this one's the original, and these are six places. You're going to visit four of these six places. This one is the second city pizza tour, you know, or second one or whatever. And you're going to visit, these are the six places you're going to visit for these ones. So um, I, there has been demand for that because we have so many repeat customers. Um, you know, when, when I started the tour, I thought to myself, all right, well, people will take the tour. They'll have a fun experience and then that'll be it. It'll, nice to know you and all that. But we're getting so many people that have come back uh, to us over the years. And then, you know, even say we have locals that like every time somebody comes into town, yeah. We're doing another pizza mm -hmm. tour or something like that. So we have um, so many customers that are coming back. So we really need to, you know, kind of work on different routes, different names for different tours, um, and give people more options, basically. Yeah, that's a really cool idea for when you have a family member come back in town. Like, I, I always somehow end up on the architecture tour. So if it's at right. least when weather, it's weather permitting. We weather yeah, permitting. Weather, mm -hmm. it's when, it's, when it's nice out, like, I'll just take somebody on there. But what a cool idea. Do that, and then you got to eat a little bit. Go and do this tour with people who come in town. And you get to see because people do love Chicago's um, food culture, but especially pizza. I mean, this p whole Chicago versus New York thing—it's it's a thing. But people come to Chicago for pizza, right? So when when you go on the tour, you know, look at the faces that are that are on your tour. You'll see the seventy-five-year-old grandma with the nine-year-old grandson. You know, it's, everybody loves pizza. 
and yeah. that, that's just what it is. So um, that's one of the hard things when it comes to you know marketing. We were working with companies that are like, we want to be pitching the, the your ideal customer who buys the tickets mostly. Try to identify your you know number one customer. We know that that women do most of the buying. Um, you know, so we, we do target women more for for that because you know the husband's like pizza store. Yeah, I'm in for that. You know, and she sets it up. <laughs> yeah, pizza. I'm in. Um, but. Uh, but the crowd, you know, we never know until we show up right. that day what it's going to be. It could be all, you know, kids in their 20s. It could be all uh, couples in their, their upper 50s. It, it could be anything. And, and you don't know until you go. We really are spoiled in Chicago. I went to Italy last year. I went to Rome. And my cousin lives in Italy. Um, was born in Florence. And everywhere he took me, and we had pizza, we had pasta. He'd be like, isn't this really good? And I'm like... Eh. Mm. I was like, it's not bad. <laughs> and, he, and he's actually watching right now. Antonio's watching. But he'd, he'd be like, what do you mean it's not good? And I'm like, it's not not good. But Chicago has such good food. And I'm not going to like knock Arkansas. But if, if I was from like the middle of nowhere, Arkansas, where they didn't have all these food options, right. I might be like, oh, my God, this is the best food I've ever had in Rome. But I was like, no, it's, pizza in Chicago is better. Has he been here? Well, yeah, he has. Oh, um, so I. I've, t- I've taken him out drinking. I don't know if I've taken him out to like a Shocking. bunch of different like food tours. <laughs> um, he's coming back in July. Um, I don't know if he's going to no, comment okay. or if he's actively listening, but I saw him pop up. But Chicago's pizza is so good. I tried so much pizza in Italy, and I, I genuinely didn't I – mean, nothing was bad, but I didn't find anything where I was like, oh, it's better in Chicago. Well, it's, it's just different. I mean, there's, there's so much competition here. Not that there's not competition in Italy, but that – you know, raises the bar for, for places here. You can't just, you know, lower your prices here in Chicago and, and assume that people will come. If your product is crap, it's crap. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But you you probably grew up eating this type of pizza. Right. So that is your, what we call the measuring stick pizza. It's what you, exactly. you know, judge all other pizza by, whether you know it or not, whether it's subconscious. Um, you know, when you're tasting pizza, you're thinking of whatever the first pizza that you loved as a kid it's somewhere in the back of your mind, and that's how you're judging this pizza going forward. So it's what you're used to. Um, Chicago's definitely, you know, undergone some changes too in its pizza culture. You know, when I was growing up here in the in the '80s and, and '90s, it was tavern-style pizza was 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 king, and then we had this special thing called deep dish. And like 2001, when Peace, uh, you know, came in and set up shop in Bucktown, they brought New Haven-style pizza. I'd never heard of it. Is like, that what we were having today? Yeah, that's what we're having today. Okay. So, I mean, when they first, I, I was living in Bucktown at the time, and I remember when they when they opened up, we're like, all right. We called up, we're like, we got a new pizza place. You know, I'm with, I'm with my buddies that I was telling you about. You know, all right, let's try it. You know, we're hungover on a Sunday. Call up, like, all right, yeah, we're going to get a couple of pizzas. Uh, we'll come pick them up. And they're like, all right, you want a red, white, or a plain? Well, I, I I don't know what the he says red white or plain what are we supposed to do <laughs> hang up we'll call him back you know? <laughs> all that stuff. all right so you know basically it was it was different style of pizza this is the new haven style of pizza so we finally figured out what we were doing we ordered it and i, and I believe the first time we got it we're like yeah it's good but I, I you know i don't know what this is i don't know what's supposed to be why is it cut like this why is it you know it, it's it, it's good but it, it took us a couple of times of, of eating it to where we got to the point where we're like oh i really like this pizza you know yeah. um and then that paved the way for other ones and, you know in, in 2006 spacanopoli uh you know brought neapolitan style pizza to chicago and uh and coal fire shortly after that opened up uh with a, a you know a a pizza that's forged in a coal oven that hits temperatures of 1200 degrees and cooks in like, you know, a minute and a half or so. Um, and then, you know, you get, 
places that, that, that bring in um, Detroit-style pizza, like Pauly G's Logan Square. Um, they do Neapolitan-style pizzas with American toppings on them, but then they also do their, their Logan Squares, which is uh, a, an in, inspired from Detroit-style uh, thick-crust pizza. But it's really, uh, you know, Derek's take on, on what that pizza is. So it kind of morphed into his own thing. It's not really Detroit. It's not really anything else. But um, in Chicago, it's just in the neighborhoods. It's very accepting of other styles of pizza. So we have our two, uh, the deep dish and the, and the tavern style. And then we can throw stuffed in there as well because we always, always have that too. But we're also very accepting uh, of other styles of pizza. And where you find that is mostly in the neighborhoods. Nice. See, New York, we accept other styles of pizza. <laughs> hey, John has me, a question. Let me ask you. I, I grew up out on the south side, and there's a place called Vito and Nick's. Yeah. yeah. It's a staple. 84th and Pulaski. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so I actually delivered for Angie's, which is right across the street, 83rd, and there used to be a – you either liked one or the other. You couldn't like Right, both. right. Uh, it's but like <laughs> – How far do you – from home base, whatever so, you consider, how yeah. far off do you go? I would love to to be able to to go there on a tour. It's a it's a yeah. special place, yeah. um, but there's just the issue of traffic in Chicago. Yeah, and sure. um, you know, a ride from say Millennium Park area to uh, you know 84th and Pulaski on a Saturday afternoon could yeah. take you upwards of an hour, hour and yep. ten. Um, so we don't quite make it that far. Uh, the farthest south that we go is uh, Italian Fiesta Pizza, which is at uh, 47th and Lake Park. Hyde Park. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, down in Hyde Park. And then yeah. up north, we'll go up to uh, Spockanopoly in the Ravenswood uh, neighborhood as well. Okay. That's still so, a big like swing. Yeah. 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 That is. Yeah. That you, is. Yeah. you definitely get a chance. With the, the logo, or the, the logo, the motto mm-hmm. that we came up with, um, you know, when we first started was to see Chicago one slice at a time. Mm-hmm. So, Very good. I like mm-hmm. that. Okay. And the magic question. I asked you off air, and yeah, it's like yeah. asking who your favorite kid is. Right. Favorite yeah. pizzas? Everybody knows it's my daughter. Oh, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Um, my favorite pizza, it, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I just talked about how you've got these different styles and all that. It really depends on what you're in the mood for. Um, people will often ask me, oh, what's your favorite pizzeria? And I'm like, oh, psh, that's, that's the easiest question in the world. Q's and Hillside. Like really? Oh, is it is that the best tasting pizza in here? Like no, that's that's where I ate when I was a kid. That, that, that's that's my go to. Um, it, it is very good. I'm not I'm not knocking it, but it's like yeah, that's the one I grew up on. Um, but you know, it just depends on what what you're going for. Like I I, I say on the tour, you know, if I'm, I'm out to dinner with my my family. Uh, Saturday night at Paisano's, that that's really great. If it's Friday night with the guys uh, watching the baseball game, uh, flowing sandals in the South Loop is yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I I I love them all. It it, it really depends. Uh, I, Coal Fires, they they're doing some amazing stuff over there. Um, you know, changing toppings really and good. flavor combinations. Um, so it's it's really tough to just pick one. Um, Luckily, I own a tour company, and I can just go in and out of all of them, and uh, and I'm not stuck. Because that's another question I get a lot too: is well, why don't you open up your own pizzeria? I'm like, oh god, question. that sounds horrible. Let <laughs> <laughs> me work like 80 hours a week in one place and never eat anybody else's food. That's just that's not for me. Um, I want to go explore and uh, and take people and, and show them what I like about these places. Um, you know, so but you know, Paisano's is our home base. It's where we start. Uh, most of our tours, so it's de- it's definitely got a special place in my heart. Well, you guys are popular now, so you can probably call any new pizza place and say, "Hey, listen, 
Yeah, well, <laughs> you definitely. Like a pizza you. tour want some pizzas. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I need a filter on my phone for when the pizza places call me and say, hey, yeah. listen, we serve this pizza. You got to bring your people in here. It's nice how it's switched yeah. now. Yes, you exactly. have to call everybody, and now you're getting the calls. Exactly. Yeah, in 2010, they didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> now they're all like, why aren't you coming here? What are you doing? I'm like, oh, that's the thing, too, that kills me. There's so many great pizza makers yeah. in Chicago, and I can't, we can't go to them all. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they don't they don't work in, with what, what we're doing or something like that, but I love their pizzas. So it's not a knock if you're if you're not on the tour basically this is what i try to tell people um there's a little over 2,000 pizzerias in the like, chicago land area what's the yeah. uh what's the most wow. unique pizza out there like it's just sort of like That's off the wall too curious i, to I know, think it's like... it's got to be chicago pizza and oven grinder in uh in lincoln park that pizza pot pie thing that they've got it's a it's a weird um cooked in a crock with like a blend of cheese that's pulled across and it's a very flaky pastry type um, dough and it's just it's not shareable it's a it's just a big hot mess on your plate <laughs> yeah. and uh, it, it, I, I think they're definitely the most unique pizza in, in Chicago maybe anywhere quite honestly I, I've been there and yeah it's, it's you don't expect it when it comes out it's just like you're mm -hmm. like wait what is this that's good. Did you panic when you're waiting for your table too? Yeah. When you're sitting there, like the guy doesn't take your name or anything. Yeah. So you literally <laughs> walk packed. in, the old guy comes up to you, and he's like, How many in your party? I'm like, Two. And he's like, Okay, 50 minutes. And then walks away. Packed. And the place is packed. And like, huh. People will be eating like right here. And I'm like standing there like this with my wife, like, mm. and like 48 minutes into it, you're like, this guy has no clue who I am. He doesn't know when my table's coming up. But sure enough, he comes right back up to you, goes, okay, this way, let's go. Been 50 minutes, let's go. Yeah, exactly. No buzzer, no tech. Nothing. Just, uh, no. Yeah. Absolute opposite of tech there. Yeah. One guy's memory. Somebody that said, favorite deep dish, Giorgio's in Barrington. Yeah. It's it's really good. Um, it, I bought a bus up in Crystal Lake. They got a location up in Crystal Lake also. I bought a bus in like Algonquin or Crystal Lake. It all kind of runs together when I'm up that far. Um, really good pizza. It reminds me a little bit of what Gino's East used to taste like um, in the 80s and 90s. How many buses do you have now? So we got two buses now. Okay. Um, couple. It started out with one 15-passenger bus. And then that turned into a 19 passenger bus. And then we turned, and then we got it into a 21 passenger bus. Then we got a 23 passenger bus. Then I bought a 25 passenger bus, but I kept the 23. So mm -hmm. I don't even know how many buses we've gone through at this point, but it's a lot of repairs have been made to these buses. A lot of tows at some point or another. They're <laughs> all diesel engines. There's something's going to happen. Um, but yeah, it, it's been a, a lot of different buses. Now we'll rent vehicles as well. So um, one another thing I, I didn't anticipate when getting into this was that there was going to be so much corporate business uh, coming our way, and we actually have clients Outings. that will yeah they'll sign up 25 tours a year, wow. and uh, we'll pick up their groups uh, in the evening, take them on in a private pizza and cocktails tour. Uh, what I always tell people is you know like with if you're going to take your clients out to dinner, you're going to go to one place, you're all going to sit wherever you sit at the table, and you can reach about six people that you're you're talking to. With a, a pizza and cocktails tour, you're going to go in and sit at three different restaurants. You're going to have a great Chicago dining experience, and you're going to get the opportunity to network with you know, way more than just the six that are in your area because you're reshuffling the deck every time. You're getting right. on the bus, getting off the bus, sitting at a different spot in, in the next restaurant and all that. So um, that's one of the biggest things in our business is, is all the corporate outings that we do. That's we should, we should uh, pick a date and just put together... I have uh, some of our audience members come with us. Guests sell some tickets yeah. through yeah. you, Do and just yeah, 
Main Street too. Out. Matt Matt sponsors a Main Street outing every uh, six six or so weeks. That's a cool idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how about favorite beers from you, Joe? I know you said like you don't have one there now, but you grew up being a beer fanatic. If you yeah. had to like. You too, if you had a gun yeah. to your head, a couple beers. Like, growing up, what was yeah. the... I like um, Greenbush Brewing out in Sawyer, Michigan. That's one okay. of my favorite breweries uh, right off of the uh, Red Arrow Highway up in Michigan. Oh. Was nice. that a thing? Uh, Did that... Yeah, so the idea of Red Arrow actually was formulated on the Red Arrow Highway. So, okay. Yeah, after uh, having a few beers. Sounds like a <laughs> yeah. great idea. Um, Somebody else was driving you on the highway? Of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the Red Arrow Highway, uh, Greenbush Brewing up in uh, Michigan is one of my favorite breweries. Um there's a great brewery in Oak Park called Kinslager where they focus on lager beers. It's a really good brewery. Um, I love Noon Whistle out in Lombard. There's a lot of them. I mean, it's yeah. just the list goes on and on and on. Um, Depends on your mood, like him. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. I live walking distance to Kinslager, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They're great. They're, they're awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but the style of beer is IPA for me. That's kind of my style. Very so cool. Yeah. And um, we always ask this question, and I'm going to ask both of you, ask you first, Joe. If you had any advice for somebody who's going to be an entrepreneur, it doesn't have to be in the tech slash restaurant world. Any advice you could give somebody? Yeah, I think it's all about, uh, you know, having an idea. It's about, you know, solving a problem, but it's also about perseverance of sort of like executing on that idea. It's really easy to, you know, start a business and then, you know, get it six months in and then quit. I mean, that's what a lot of people do, but it's really about long-term sustainability. And it, it goes a lot back to my ultra running. We you know we talked a little bit about, you know, running, you know, 50 mile races and 50 Ks. Um, that's how I see business. It's a long run and it's about being consistent. Um, so I think as, as advice to entrepreneurs, it's not easy. There's a lot of risks that you're going to take, um, but it's really about persevering over the long term. I, uh, Love that. And the ultra running to me is crazy. And I know to Jonathan, it's crazy. I mean, I'm Super doing the crazy. triathlon. Yeah. Did you just do it? Cause you drink a lot of beer and you're like, no, I got, I, I got to stay in shape. Yeah, no, I, uh, no, I just, uh, I love running. You know, I okay. just, uh, even since high school, I ran track and, uh, I just fell in love with running. And, um, I just like the, 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 the time that you get by yourself to really reflect on, on things. So was it a progress? I'm always interested when I when I hear yeah. this. Was it like I ran a half marathon and then I ran a marathon and then I was like I'm going to challenge myself a little bit more and then you did the 50. Yeah, I think that's like for most runners, it's like that. I don't think people just jump into the, the 50 mile race. Um, you know, it's uh, you know it's local 5Ks, then you do you know a 10K and then a half, then a marathon, and then you're like, well, I can go an extra you know five six miles. Then you do a 50K and then you kind of build up to you know a 50 miler. Um, I think so, most people stop at the marathon, <laughs> but that's, that's the thing. Entrepreneurs typically push themselves a little bit harder than others. And if your hobby is running, it makes some sense. Yeah. And, you know, and for me, it was just, um, you know, I just enjoy it. And, um, it, there's a great running community as well. And yeah. a lot of runners drink beer too. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of goes hand in hand. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, you know, advice to entrepreneurs, it's really about, you know, long-term, you know, that's, that's the key and just being consistent. Um, it's not easy, you know, when you're running a 50 mile race and you know, you're running for 10, 11 hours, you know, you're going to have ups and downs and got to go up and down hills. But it's the same thing with entrepreneurship. You're going to have bumps in the road, but you just got to be consistent. Just keep pushing forward. You don't want to quit. The other. Yeah. You just don't. You don't. You never quit. How about you? Um, so I had a couple of things. You know, the one thing that I, I've always found is, is just to be flexible. Like have your ideas, how you want to do stuff, and, and, and stick to them. But be ready for anything that could throw a wrench into it. 
and and just be flexible with it and be able to take feedback, uh, you know, from your employees as well. You know, they're, sometimes they're going to come up with great ideas that maybe was super obvious that you just didn't come up with, um, and you know, be be able to do that. Um, the other thing is too is like take your criticisms and stuff, but you don't have to always agree with them, but just listen to them. You know, um, there's so many locals that I'll meet too that'll be like, you know. <laughs> I've never Chicago Pizza Tours. I've never heard of this. And I'm like, well, that's all right. So you should advertise. And I'm like, well, then, you know, I'm, no, seriously, you should advertise. You should, I, I, <laughs> okay, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, we don't need everybody finding out all, all at once. Like, hey, you found out of us? Great. You know, come check us out whenever you get a chance. But, uh, you know, we're, we're doing okay. You know, we're sold out this weekend, so it, it's, it's cool. But, like, you know, I just, the one thing that I've always, you know, tried to be is, is just kind of stay, stay to your convictions, what you want to do, but be willing to be flexible in them as well. You know, you never know which way you're going to have to pivot. Awesome. Mm-hmm. What do you do outside? I mean, pe- eating pizza is almost more damaging than drinking beer. And you're a thin guy. Do you have to work out every day or do you eat the pizza every day? I do enjoy working out. I do eat pizza a lot. I, I don't, I'm not going to say that I eat it every day, um, but it's all about portion control. Although I already had two slices here since we've been sitting here. I've been wanting um, to finish my I slice. Know, I, 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 already, I already did my second. Um, you know, it's it's portion control. Like none of this stuff is processed. Like if if you look right. at um, you know Domino, the big box stores, you know Domino's, Papa John's, Pizza Hut, they, they got to buy their stuff in bulk. It's processed. It's got preservatives in it. Uh, you know, local mom and pop places are you know they're they're just getting flour. They're mixing it with water, salt, and yeast, and they're using real cheese from Wisconsin. You know, none of this stuff is is super bad for you. Just don't eat too much of it. You know, don't go out and do a pizza tour every day. Like if I'm guiding tours, I'll probably eat at one of the stops, you know, on the, on the day, but I'm not going to eat at all four. Um, so, yeah, it's just other than that, I, I do enjoy working out. I ran, um, but I stopped at that half marathon. I, I got done with that half marathon. I'm like, all right, that's enough. Yep. Yeah. Um, I always say the original marathon length, and correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, the person ran it and then fell over and died. He was letting people know that the army's coming, and then he just ran for the Battle of Marathon, and he, humans aren't split. So everyone's like, you want to run a marathon? I'm like, first of all, I got short legs. <laughs> and it takes a lot of effort for me to get there. Second of all, uh, the first person who did it, who wasn't intending on doing it, just died. So I think I shouldn't have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I have friends that have done ultra marathons and some crazy stuff, and it really is a mind over matter thing, which yes. is a lot like business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Got one coming up? No, I'm, I'm getting back into training now. The, the last two years have been sort of a flurry of like being involved with the business. So, yeah. you know, free time is kind of minimal right yeah. now. But And uh, you got to like yeah. the training regimen. I mean, doing the triathlon now, my, my training days are longer. But running an ultra marathon, you have to run close to some of those distances. So what do you run in six, seven hours sometimes? Yeah, I mean, you, you'll, you'll get up to 20, 25 miles for a training run. Okay. Um, wow. You know, wow. So like, you only run half the distance in a training run? Yeah, it's it's hard to really like fully go, you know, fifty miles in a in a training run. So you'll you'll run like maybe a fifty k wipe year long run, which is about thirty five okay. miles. So the rest of it's like on grit and determination. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's what I was yeah. just thinking too, right? Because yeah. <laughs> when you ran the half, you probably mm-hmm. ran a half and knew or close to it. You're like, I was at like it. eight or nine miles like the week before. So I thought to myself, oh, all right, you know, it's four more miles. But yeah, I think somewhere around 10 miles, I was like, oh, geez, I still got to go three more miles. And I think I misjudged it. I think I was starting my 10th when it was really – or I was starting my – 10th and i thought i was starting my 11th so i started picking up the pace and then oh god I was like, imagine getting through 30 and knowing you had to do 20 more <laughs> no there's no way basically so, you got to do a half marathon and a 10k still 
the, the key is not to think about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, how do I get to that next tree, right? This is all trail running too. Yeah. So how do I get to the oh. next tree? And then the next tree and the next tree. Don't think too far ahead. Just because I know do, you where you got to go, but just focus on. I calculate everything yeah. in my head. So if I got to run five miles and I've run half a mile, I'm like, okay, nine more of those. I I'm like you. I'm like you. Yeah. I can't stop thinking about it. I'm like, oh, so man. at 50 miles, I'm like, you don't, you don't want to get 20 miles in. It's like 30 miles to go. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to think 25. About, no, you're just, almost at a marathon. You're like, yeah. I got to do this again. Get to the next tree. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I guess at his distance, you got to have that mindset. Right. At I'm ours, like you. My, my mind's always turned like, Ooh, all right. 2.3. So that means I'm just, you know, at this time I've done this, you know? Yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah. Uh, John, how about you? You run any distances longer than a couple of miles? Uh, no, 5Ks, no, not even 5Ks, a 5K. I just, I'm not a big fan of running, uh, but Maggie does legs. them. Maggie does them and she likes them. So it was one of the things for 2017, I guess it was, just to check it off. We did the Santa Hustle and it was fun as hell. Uh, the 5K? Snow, yeah, yeah. This, yeah, the 5K up and down Lake Michigan. But uh, no, I just, I get bored. I really do. I get bored. And that's why I can't. I well, I think after a certain distance, it really then just becomes mind over matter. For, yeah. I mean, at, at some point, I mean, I, and I don't know what that number is. It's probably different for everybody, for me and you, probably at that it, 10 to 13 miles. Yeah, but for you at 30 or 35, yeah. you're probably like, my body's shutting down. Well, it's, right. You can also listen to a good podcast while you run, too. Yeah. yeah. AE Wheelhouse. Bump and set for that spike. Yeah, that's that's yeah. good. I like that. Hey, real quick, I got a question for you. Um, Joseph, you made mention over every tap, there's a screen yeah. uh, that tells the story of the, the brewer or the brewery. Yeah. So are you talking like a video screen or just like a short story? No. So we, uh, we have, uh, they're actually iPads that run and there's a little screen that has a, like a photo of the beer. Okay. And then like a logo. And if you touch the screen, it tells you more about the Just like the some beer. copy as far as, oh, that's cool. Exactly. Okay. And then when you put yeah. your card in it then turns on like a gas pump and you see how many ounces and then it'll kind of run as you pour the beer. Oh, all right. Very good. I like it. All right. I was just, I didn't know if every single one had a little video. I thought, man, the the rate of turnover, you must be doing videos every week. Yeah, no, but we do, uh, we do, we spend a lot of time on the photos that we use because we really want to highlight what the beer looks like. Oh, of course. Sometimes a photo of the product and stuff so you can see, you know, what beer looks like. It's again for the breweries themselves. That's a pretty cool thing that you guys are able to tell their story because a lot of them don't have the budget to go out and start marketing their story. They might have yeah. a Facebook page. You guys are telling the story for them um, directly to consumers. Yeah. We also do a lot uh, for charities as well. So we have oh, yeah. our um, charity tap of the month. So oh, we, uh, we help, like cool. to pour it forward. Okay, so nice. we, um, oh, we choose like a that. local charity and a local beer, and there's a sign above the, the tap. And every time you pour that beer, we donate five cents per ounce back to the charity. Very cool. So we're doing Very a lot good. for local charities. Yeah. Um, nice. It's a it's a great program. I bet those beers are popular. They are, and it gives the, the charity a lot of awareness. So if it's a, a smaller charity that people aren't aware of, they see mm-hmm. it. There's a little blurb about the charity, and then uh, at the end of the month, we tabulate how many ounces are poured, and we, we write them a donation check. Good for you guys. So, yeah, that's cool. Nice. What a cool way to give back. Yeah. And to get the word of a lot of those charities out. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Good thought. Well, we went way over, um, but thank you guys both for coming on. I cannot wait to come out and drink a ton of your beer an ounce <laughs> yeah. at a time. Might yeah. take that 48-ounce challenge <laughs> and be sick the next day. I might be hungover enough to come and then do the pizza tour, but no, I think John and I will probably do that during the day. 
Nice. Yes. Yeah. We will, we'll uh, uh, we'll link up after the show, and I'm excited to come and taste all the pizzas. I'm excited to learn about the pizzas. I mean, I, I feel like being a Chicago guy, I should have known a little bit more about pizzas and the different styles because I think thin and deep dish. I mean, I yeah. think that's how a lot of people think, and uh, you educated us on that today. Yeah, even um, deep dish and stuffed. The yeah. difference between that—that's right. cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I know some stuff. So next time <laughs> I go out to order pizza with people, I'm gonna. You're really. Gonna I love throwing facts out that I learned. I learned a lot of facts on Wheelhouse when we had the uh-huh. wine people in. I'm like, yeah, oh, I know some stuff. Exactly. What happens is you're gonna go down this road. You're gonna take the tour. You're gonna start learning a little bit more about dough structure and, and fermentation in there, and then you're never gonna be able to look at pizza the same way. You're gonna get a pizza somewhere. You're gonna be like. Hmm. How long did they let this rise? You know? Oh, well, my, when my dad orders Domino's, I'd be like, Dad, I don't want this, this crap. Send it back. John, you're giving us way too much credit. <laughs> yeah. we, are, we are not that smart. Let me tell you what. Speak for yourself. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, All speak right. for yourself. You, I tell you what. When we do go on the pizza tour, I want you to watch him and report back to me if he's like, ooh. He's just going to be shoveling it in. And <laughs> no shit. It. Do, you, uh, do you still do a lot of tours yourself? I don't do as many. Um, okay. So we've we've kind of grown as a company. Still, like when we first started out, I gave every single tour for the first two years. Wow. And I think I had maybe two different drivers. Um, we've grown to the, it's, at our largest, we were like a company of 11, I believe. I think right now we're, we're seven or so. So we do need to ramp up a little bit for um, you know, for, for the summer months, but, uh, it's kind of my job to really do more research on the pizza places, keep up relationships with the owners, and then make sure I give enough shifts to the people that are working part-time. I've got one guy that works full-time, actually, uh, one guy and one, one lady that kind of work full-time with me and then the rest are part-timers. So it's, you know, up to me to kind of keep their shifts and make sure it's enough money for them to make, to, you know, make a living on. Um, and then I also, it, it affords me the opportunity to do other cool stuff like write for pizza magazines and, and do some oh, consulting cool. work and stuff like that. So uh, I don't know. The, the producers of a big time wheelhouse podcast come on the, on the tour. We want the guy. Sure, sure. No, I, I got you. Yeah. Just uh, you know, put in the request. We want John. We Fortunately, want the, man. The, the, the guy that I started the Prohibition Tours with, Jonathan Notek, his name is Jonathan as well. So in uh, all these reviews, they're like, we want Jonathan. And it's like... Yeah. Well, there's a couple of us yeah. here. You know? <laughs> one of us. He's been he's been guiding more <laughs> tours these days than I have. Uh, but no, all of our tour guides are great. Danny does an amazing job, um, and um, Elizabeth does a great job on the, on the prohibition tours too. And I, I I don't want to leave anybody out, but uh, it, it's fun, and uh, we'll make I'll make sure I, I'm out for you guys for awesome. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you guys both Absolutely. for coming Thanks. on. This noon whistle was freaking awesome oh yeah honest to goodness yeah it really really, really was stuff. good i mean i'm not just saying it because it's on air it was really really good can's cool um, it's yeah. basically done it's empty it's empty <laughs> uh, and the pizza was amazing um so thank you guys for coming on i can't wait to come out to uh red arrow and i can't wait to uh do the pizza tour with john and uh yeah. pay up my bet boom <laughs> so what do we got next week john do you got next a graphic week, for it we have uh speaking of great charities we got jenny immerman for from Immerman Angels, a uh, lot people who have cancer. Uh, he associates people who had that same type of cancer to help them get through it. It's a amazing. We um, what was a realtor? I can't think of her name. We had her as a guest, and that's how I learned about Melanie. Yes, Melanie. Uh, just he's he's a ball of energy, and we have a gentleman named Paul Audia. He's a photographer, 
And I don't even want to go into the number of books that he has done the work for, the photography work for, um, historical books, geographical. I've seen his work. He is phenomenal and great stories to tell. His latest project, I don't even want to get into it. I want to let him tell the story. But it was he was all over the Vatican and just amazing stuff. So he's going to show some of his work off next week. It's going to be a fun show. Uh, and looking forward to it. Cool. I'm excited. Yeah. I had that private tour of the Vatican when I was in Rome. I know. So. I was thinking of you when I was speaking with him. Um, but yeah, I just, I mean, you guys can compare notes. He really, I'm sure he I saw mean, a little more yeah. of it than I did, but I got a pretty good guy to tour. <laughs> so yeah, but it'll excited. be good. Tune in 3 o'clock uh, Wednesday. Cool. Thanks everybody for watching. This was awesome. I got pizza. I got beer. And uh, we learned a lot. So we'll <laughs> see you guys next Wednesday at 3 o'clock. In three, two, one.